Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right. We are back from All-Star break. Welcome back, everybody. We are back. The Knicks won. 115 to 109 versus the Washington Wizards on the first ever Friday night Dicks um post All-Star break. Um bringing their record to 34 and 27. Um moving them and inching them closer to the coveted five seed spot that Brooklyn that the Brooklyn Nets occupy. Um currently the Brooklyn Nets are getting waxed by the Chicago Bulls. Um the Miami Heat are actually getting clobbered by the Bucks. Um, and Cleveland is getting beat by Atlanta. So, you know, playoff playoff spots, you know, they are up for grabs, I think, in, 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 the, in the Knicks' eyes. Um, Knicks tonight were led by none other than Julius Randle, the two-time All-Star, who spent All-Star weekend bricking it up on All-Star Saturday night, but having himself a nice, fun 11 points on Sunday. Um, he led the way tonight with 46 points. Um, and... Seven threes. Shout out to him for not rebounding. He didn't care about, I guess, you know, the glass tonight or anyone's parlays, but that's another conversation for another day. Um, Mitchell Robinson made his mighty return tonight. 10 points, 12 rebounds in 28 minutes of action with a steal and a block. So, you know, pick it up kind of where he left off. It was um good to see him, you know, clean up on the offensive glass tonight. Um um, and yeah, and then we had Quickly, who was the second leading scorer tonight with 16 points off the bench. Um, hit some timely threes. Um, and, you know, just continue to mix it up with, you know, the inside-outside game, which we've all come to love. And, you know, he's even made some, you know, rounds in people's um, Six Man of the Year um, articles. So, you know, that's good to see that, you know, the hype is is gaining. He's he's gaining some steam in the six man of the year talks, even though you know the PPG doesn't really reflect it, and it's a PPG award. Um, but yeah, I, I thought Julius Randle he he absolutely didn't play a good first quarter, but like from the second quarter on, he absolutely turned it on and looked like a superstar for the rest of the night. Um, I don't know what flipped that switch in him that like he just automatically just decide just like Kyle Kuzma doing the yeah did, did you not did you not see the Kuzma too small celebration that's no I did I, I missed that actually I oh that's it. what flipped the switch like we, oh, we, wow. we talk about we talk about in every post game like Randall is a lock when he has motive one-on-one motivation like Sam you always say like his best games come against Sabonis or anybody who's perceived as an all in the all-star conversation with Randall well Randall was just cruising along and then Kuzma had that bucket and he does the too small celebration right in Randall's face. And literally from that moment on, Randall was just like, all right, fuck you. Like, let's go. And so that that is what that is what happened. Yeah, and then yeah. and from there he had like a couple dunks. He had that steal. He had that steal where he looked like LeBron on the fast break. And he went up and under for the layup. Um hit some he hit a bunch of threes tonight. I mean, he definitely picked up the slack in a night where Jalen Brunson did not have it going at all offensively. Um, he did have um, Brunson did have nine assists, so he, he was able to to dish out tonight, but didn't have it going. I mean, there was a bunch of bunnies and like shots that he usually takes and makes that he just didn't make tonight. Um, but yeah, it was just great to see you know Julius Randle be able to pick up for that that slack, um, and you know carry the team to a dub tonight when you know this team looked like 
they were dead in the water. They were down 19 in the second quarter, and they're able to muster enough to, you know, beat this Washington Wizards squad that hasn't been that much of a pushover lately. So, yeah. Yep. Um, Brunson was stuck in Tulum until the last minute of the fourth quarter. Uh, the way Obi Toppin looked like he was tanned, he might have been there with him. But um, that's a wild tan Obi Toppin had, by the way. I have to just talk about that real quick. But, um, yeah, that is what you expect from someone like Julius Randle, I think, at this point. Um, not obviously the 46 points, but, like, you expect him to be able to pick up the slack like that. And I think it's especially good for Randle because the last three years out of the All-Star break, he's been dreadful. Like, you know, 2020, he had his worst game of the season. 2021, worst game of the season against the Bucks and that blowout. Um, 2022, like that game against the Heat where RJ goes up for 46. They win that game right now. It's a decent game. He went three for – he went two for 15. So, yeah. So, like, to flip the switch like this, um, as a, to be as efficient as he was, seven to seven from the line as well as the big thing. Um didn't miss a free throw, got to the line seven times, so got it to his average. Seven threes, of course. Um, can I just say, can I just say, Tyrese, you, you brought up the free throw shooting. I really liked how the game was called tonight. Like, I thought they, I, right. I, I, the only thing I want to, I want out of an official is for it to be consistent. And I'd always prefer it leaned on less calls than more calls. And I thought they were, they swallowed their whistles pretty equally on both ends. I, I, I don't know what you guys thought, but. I was really, really pleased with how the refs called that game tonight. I, I, I thought it was great from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even notice the officials tonight. Like, for the first time in a long time, I didn't really notice them. And, like, that was a good thing. Like, finally, like, a game where I can watch from front, from start to finish and be like, this is, like, I watched some basketball tonight. I didn't watch, like, the refs, like, blow their whistle and, like, free throw parades on either side. Like, it was good to see. So, yeah. Yep. Um, and that's good. That's good. Like when the refs aren't like dictating the game, and you feel like like everything is so ticky tacky. Like they love to play physical tonight. Um, and that's what you like to see. Obviously, you want to see guys like get on the ground and scrap it out and stuff. I think the Knicks probably lead the league in loose ball fouls, but like that's the only tic tac I have. Like, dude, every time we go for a box out, there's a loose, there's a loose ball foul against the Knicks. It's annoying. But um, otherwise, good game, good ref game. And a great game for a win. And to go along with your point, Tyrese, that specific foul that you just brought up, it seems to be like a double standard. Like when the Knicks are going for an offensive rebound, they get called for going for an offensive rebound. But when the other team is going for an offensive rebound, the Knicks get called for stopping them from going for an offensive rebound. Like either way, it's against the Knicks. It's one of uh, it's really interesting that you brought that up because that's something I've noticed too. The loose ball fouls really seem to go against the Knicks, like whenever possible. Um, yep. I just the only comment I have. Uh, I mean, you guys both killed it in the opening monologue. So the only add-on I have to say is like. These are not the slightly younger version of ourselves, Knicks, anymore. This team is different because that first half by the Wizards was preposterous. Like, that would have – it would have been totally reasonable for the Knicks to just lose that game because, like, the Wizards got hot in, like, a totally undeserving manner. Like, I don't mean that in, like, a complaining way. I'm just saying, like – the Knicks were playing fine. Their, their starters outplayed the Wizards starters to start the game. And 
the Knicks process was really good and they couldn't get anything to fall and their defense was really good and the Wizards were getting everything to fall. And then like the second quickly came in and the benches started getting in. It's like the Wizards had developed this momentum that was kind of like they didn't really do anything to create it. It was just shots were falling and they were like a runaway train and all of a sudden the Knicks were down 19. And like we've all been watching the Knicks for, you know, decades like how many times have we seen stuff like that happen and the Knicks just kind of fold you know like it's just like okay on to the next game and this team like didn't it's not just that they didn't fold they it's like they, it didn't even occur to them that they were going to lose they just like quickly hit a three to go from 19 to 16 and boom off they were Randall comes back in he puts the team on his back and like it wasn't even surprising that they had cut it to four before halftime it was it was a really inspiring effort, but it's also a nice summation of where this team's at right now. Like they're just going to compete and they're not a perfect team. They're not going to win a title this year. I think we can all agree. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe they'll surprise us, but I don't think they're going to win a championship, but they're a really likable team headed in a really good direction. And there's going to be a couple of inflection points that really make or break what the ceiling of this collection of players is but those moments will come when they come right now i'm just enjoying watching this team and they're it was just another really inspiring effort from them yeah the wizards were hitting absolute like man like i would love for us to get that type of like the the three-point shooting luck that our opponents get i would love for us to get at least like a, a slither a slither of that just a slither of that um because like Man, what did they hit? Like 11 threes in like the first half? And that was like how much they usually make per game on the year. They finished with 19. So like they obviously like everything kind of like slowed down for them. Uh, but man, Porzingis was insane in that first quarter. What was it? Like five for five, 19 points. Yep. Like, man, I don't even have like a 40 point game. That was bad process. I think we can all agree. Like, like there was a lot of specifically guarding stats like he was just walking into open threes because we forgot that you can't just walk lead, you can't just abandon pig and pop centers to protect the rim when they're when they're not they're not going to the rim well you know that's that's what we get a and a, a thibs defense that's that's the scheme and, and delon Wright too shout out to jl in the comments he, delon Wright five threes that that was insane too that's when you know that like there is a god in the building because <laughs> There's no way a house that's blessed by our Lord and Savior is getting DeLon Wright five threes. Like, a game where DeLon Wright... Has DeLon Wright even hit five threes in a game before? No. I'm curious. No. I'm honestly curious that. If he had his career high in threes against us, yeah. you can't tell me that this is about... Yeah, of course. And I, I actually think... You know someone's going to have a career game no, against us. Okay, he hit it once for Sacramento. Once for Sacramento and once for Toronto. The uh, the DeLon Wright threes, um, from a basketball standpoint, I think are really interesting because I think like four of them came with quickly as the primary defender. Mm. And um, there's a big difference, or not a big difference. There's when Hardenstein leaves Staps to protect the rim, when the defender who's on the ball handler is with him, that is Hardenstein misunderstanding Tibbs' scheme. And that's not on that 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 is that is on Hardenstein and it is on scheme. It's on both of them. 
when quickly hedges off of right because a ball handler is beat, that is quickly doing exactly what the scheme asks of him. And that is entirely on the point of attack defense. And so you just need, like, I feel like a lot of people, their analysis of defense is blame the person who's closest to the shooter. And I feel like, like that difference is one way to sort of like learn about NBA defense, because the only reason quickly is hedging off right on those threes is because the ball handler gets beat at the point of attack. It's Quickly's job to cut him off on his way into the basket. Like that's what that's part of what makes Quickly so good. Is like is it's what Frank did a lot when Frank was a Nick. Is sort of like he's a band aid for a bullet wound almost sometimes. You know, like he notices a leak in the defense and he cleans it up. Um, and when he does that, somebody else has to hedge onto right, and they weren't doing that, so it it was on quickly to hedge and recover. And I sound really nerdy right now, but um, I just, I just think stuff like that is really interesting because like Sam said, the pick and pop stuff is simple, you know, like you don't, you don't need to protect the room when Staps isn't diving and the defender is like, that's just, that's unnecessary room protection and it's stubbornness from, you know, scheme. But sometimes it's a little bit more complicated than that. Yep. I agree. Um, defense is hard to quantify, and I do feel like we kind of okay. I, defense is hard to quantify in terms of like if you're watching it, and you could be like, okay, well, this guy's supposed to help here, but this guy's closer, so like we're gonna blame this guy for um, not being able to like stop an open shot. And sometimes you just hit shots. That's also a big thing about defense. It's like sometimes you can play the best defense you can play in your life, and the guy hits the shot anyway. Like the game yesterday. Um, Harden in the corner is like trailing out of bounds and then hits that wild three over. I think it was Brooks, but like that's just how the NBA works sometimes. Uh, to the original point though, like, yeah, I didn't think the defense was bad. Um, I didn't think the defense was bad. I thought the process was good overall. I think that was one of our better process games. The Wizards just hit a bunch of shit and they always hit a bunch of shit against us because the last game in um, MSG. They had the same thing where like, they were just unspeakably hot from three. I really do think it's like the fact that they do have that stretch five that um complicates things for a lot of this um this defense. But like, yeah, I don't know. The Wizards just go off against Knicks all the time. It's it's weird. It's always fucking weird. And like, again, to go back to you know what I was talking about when uh, I first started, like about what a win that was and how this isn't the same Knicks. That's a good wizards team. Like that. They're not They're That's not, that's not a, a bad team. That's a good team. That's finally getting healthy. They've won a couple games in a row. Um, they've got a lot of good players. And when you have a lot of good players who are all hitting shots to on the road, keep your composure and just pull out a win like that. Like let's not, let's not, you know, understate this. This was a really impressive win from the Knicks. Um, especially when you consider that, like Sam said, their second leading scorer was a, was quickly off the bench with 16 points. You know, they did this with Jalen Brunson going six for 20. They did this with RJ Barrett having another really, really bad half. They did this with Obi Toppin having another really, really bad first half. Like there's a lot of things we can point to and be like, ah, that wasn't the best tonight, but nobody gave up. Nobody mailed it in. You know, they all, I think I can find a positive in what everybody did tonight. If we went through down the line, I can I can tell you in that second half something that every player did that contributed to that win. 
you know, Obi Toppin was in the passing lane and he had that steal. He had that back cut quickly should have found him for the lob. You know, he got a couple of huge rebounds. RJ played his best shift of, you know, the month start the fourth quarter and on we, on we go. This was a great team win. Um, yeah. Um, but going back to quickly, he had some great defensive moments in this game that I want to highlight, by the way. <clears throat> there was this one play where on Kedrick Nunn, who's an absolute scrub, by the way. Um, but yeah, Kedrick Nunn was like trying to get past Emmanuel quickly, and he was like dribbling in, in the corner, and like quickly was just letting him get like nowhere, and it just resulted in a what you call it, Kedrick Nunn airball. There was another play where um, quickly um, was on Kuzma. And forced him to lose the ball. Um, although there was some help by, I believe it was either Brunson or someone else. But yeah, um, quickly his defense, I mean, continues to be amazing every night. And tonight was just another one of those nights where it was amazing. And I just felt the need to highlight those two plays because those those two plays, they really, they really stuck out to me. And I want to give uh, Schwinn some props here. Something he talked about a few months ago. Quickly is like, He's obviously not Draymond Green, and he'll never be Draymond Green. He's too small. But one thing he does that's very Draymond Green-like, he gets caught in a lot of, like, one-on-two, one-on-three situations where he breaks up the, the – like, he had two of those tonight. He had two one-on-twos where he was just back by himself, and they didn't score. He's just like – yeah, I mean, your point was spot on. He's just – his defense is everything to this team right now. So is – he is pivotal to what the Knicks want to run offensively, defensively. He is pivotal to like covering up those gaps, like you said. He is the ultimate glue guy, I think, because he could do anything you ask for him. And he like he can come in and start. He can play off the bench. He can play 15 minutes. He can play 40 minutes. He can play offense. He can play defense. And it's like those types of players are rare in the league. And it also helps them when you have another guy like that in Josh Hart who can, like, not do it to the extent that Quickly does because Quickly can do more as a self-creator. But, like, you saw it tonight with Josh Hart. Like, those loose balls he was diving for, he had, like, three that he died for in, like, two minutes that, like, changed the tide of the game and it gave the team a lot of momentum. Um, and just all grit, um, grittiness and hustle. Like, you're not finding that from a lot of guys. So it's, like, those two especially, and they're closing games now, as you can see. So it's center of the night. Brunson, Randall, and then IQ and Hart. And I expect that to be the closing lineup for a lot of games going on this stretch, especially if RJ is going to be kind of mediocre for the most part. And I know he had a good shooting game tonight. Um, I would still consider it like fairly mediocre. Um, but yeah, 27 minutes compared to Hart's 27 minutes and quickly playing 30. So. I just want to push back there a little bit. Uh, I don't, I don't, I, I thought this was a good RJ game. I thought, I thought early on his process on both ends was good. Um, look, eventually shots have to go in. Like he's going to be limited as a player. If he's going to just keep having these one for six stretches where he gets to good. Like we can't just keep propping him up because of his ability to get to spots, but he had a couple of really loud, bad plays, like, you know, the the fast break to end the first half where he just got stripped. Um, he had a couple of missed layups. But I thought overall he made the passes he's supposed to make, including that just absolute dime to Mitch. Um, 
I thought he shot the shots from good spot. Honestly, I thought the worst shot he took all night was a pull-up 15-footer that he made. Aside from that, I liked pretty much every shot, shot he took. And most importantly, I thought he was committed for all 27 minutes he was on the court defensively. Um, you know, Sam brought up a couple of plays quickly made. One play that really stood out for me defensively was a play when o- Obi got just torched on a back cut by uh, Bradley Beal. And the paint was wide open because Staps was playing center. Literally, it should have been a layup. And RJ anticipated Obi getting beat and helped off his guy to beat Beal to the to the paint and stripped him and knocked it out of bounds. I thought RJ was really good defensively. I thought this was a really good RJ game, if I'm being honest. Um, I don't think it was mediocre. And I think you could have made an argument that I don't think I don't think you can not play Brunson down the stretch of games because of one bad game. I think Brunson's going to play, and I think that's okay. But I think you could have legitimately made an argument with how the Wizards were playing down the stretch to just go Brunson quickly, Hart, RJ, and Randall, and because I, I, yeah, yeah, um, I, I want to see it. I want to see it so bad. I will never see it, and I want to see it. You just. <laughs> The Knicks' best defense was Randall on Staps. That was it. Like it, their best defense was Randall on Staps and Hart on Kuzma, and and uh, that would have left quickly or RJ on Beal. But that's fine. Like we would have had an answer for all their guys. Um, I mean, Mitch got beat on the offensive glass multiple times. I know he hit the just the games one of their games' biggest shots, but I don't know. I'm I'm curious what you guys think because I, I spoke earlier about you know the inflection points of this franchise. I I think what Tibbs does down the stretch of these games with those four guys, Grimes, RJ quickly and Hart, is going to be really big for this franchise because it determines how many minutes those guys play each night. And honestly, it kind of dictates like their individual happiness. These guys want to be out there. And so I think that's more reason for Tibbs to get creative. Like sometimes you just, you don't, you can't just always have Mitch out there. Sometimes you have to play three of those guys together and be okay with sacrificing some rim protection. And I, I thought tonight was one of those nights. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I, I, that was one of the things that I was most curious about once we acquired Josh Hart is like, okay, what's going to happen um, when, you know, three or all four of those guys have a really, have, have it really going on a night like what do you do like how do you make the decision of who gets to close who doesn't um there are plenty of opportunities in this league for us to like go small and have randall at the five and stuff like that and have like four guards slash wings out there with randall um and do different stuff like that but with this coach it's never going to happen unfortunately because you know he has a, a, a one set mindset of how like the five position should be played on the court. So he's going to have a certain player out there um, and it's going to come to the detriment of, you know, the other four wing slash guard guys. And the thing is, is that I, 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 uh, I actually recorded it because I'm insane. And I, I just, <laughs> I actually thought I was pretty proficient um on a space after the Knicks last game I went on like just this crazy rant um about Tibbs even though it was after a win this stuff is gonna matter in the playoffs because Mm -hmm. the margins are much thinner and unless we're just beating the brakes off teams which is really hard to do in the playoffs especially when you're a four or five seed or a six seed these things come down to the thinnest of margins and 
opposing teams are going to have an answer for your first punch. They just are. And if the Knicks have to go small, which you're going to have to do against the Bucks, you just you're going to you're going to have to do that against the Bucks. I get if we play Embiid, it's not going to happen. I get the Cavs are a really good matchup for us because they're not going to be able to play Mitch off the court. Mitch is going to be able to play against the Cavs. But if we have to play the Bucks or if we have to play the Celtics, there's going to come a time when we have to play Randall at center. And we will be woefully unprepared for that moment. We just will be. And so I want everyone who is rightfully happy about these games, they should be, who's feeling good about the Knicks, to remember this come to playoff time. Because everyone has to understand there's a range of outcomes. And yes, the Knicks can win playoff series. I think they can win two playoff series if the, if the dice roll correctly, you know? Um, but there are going to be outcomes where they lose in the first round. If they lose in the first round, I want to fucking hear that this team needs more talent, that this team wasn't good enough to win a playoff series, that this is why you need a superstar. When there were obvious team building decisions that Tibbs has refused to make low hanging fruit decisions that Tibbs has refused to make that are, I, in my opinion, are going to hurt us in the playoffs. I, I don't want to hear that. Oh, this is why we should have traded for Donovan Mitchell. That's bullshit. This team is good enough to win a playoff series and we're seeing it every night right now. And I couldn't agree with Sam more that some of the stuff that we're seeing right now, it may seem small. It may seem unimportant. It's going to matter when the games start to matter more. And so, yeah, that's part of my rant, I guess. (laughs) I mean, you're right. You're definitely right. Um, I do want to see that lineup you talked about where it's like Brunson, Hart, um, IQ, our uh, RJ Randall. I do feel like, especially against the Cavs, that's a lineup you can run because like the Cavs can't beat you in protection and rebounding because Jared Allen is good at a lot of things, but offensive rebounding is not like something that he excels at and Mobley either to that point. Um, I do think the Knicks have gotten to a point where like, Maybe in years past, you could say, well, they need to play a certain style because ultimately this team is untalented. Like 2020, 2021, like you could argue that because it was really Randall, RJ, to a lesser extent, like Burks and IQ and um, Rose, but like they had to play one way. And ultimately speaking, they weren't going to be able to like go with that run that they went on if they were like experimenting and they were like doing a bunch of different things. Now with two stars, and I think we all agree that like they have two stars. Um, I do think you're able, like, when you have that, like, baseline of competence that I think the Knicks have, you should be able to experiment more. I know they probably won't do it because ultimately they're still in the playoff race and they're still, like, facing the play-in, um, despite the fact that they're going to have a game and half up on the heat. Um, you're still actively, like, in a play-in situation and you're only in the sixth seed, so, like, you definitely have to play with some caution, but even for like a couple minutes and a half or even to like close a game um, competently, like they need to be able to practice going small. They need to be able to practice having different configurations of players on the court, um, especially when regards, regards like their trusted seven, which is starting lineup and then heart and IQ. So that's going to be big for this team going forward. Um, maximizing those players is going to be very big. Um, and I don't know if we're going to do it this year. Um, I, I, I'm going to say they're not doing it this year. 
I think next Here's, year. Well, yeah. I do think I, like I next year. What, what about what about this one, Tyrese? This is a really easy one. Brunson played 39 minutes tonight because any possession where Jalen Brunson isn't on the court terrifies Tibbs. The Knicks opened the fourth quarter with four straight possessions where they scored, maybe three, three or four straight possessions where they scored, led by RJ and quickly. The pace was pushed. They were they looked great. They play one possession where quickly forces up a bad shot. RJ gets the offensive rebound, finds Josh Hart. Josh Hart misses an open three. As the Wizards are taking the ball half court, you see you see Tibbs calling for Brunson. We can't just play Brunson 48 minutes. Like that's that's insane. That's not a sustainable thing. That's just both for the short and the long term. He's hurting the team building by not letting quickly and RJ have these growing pains in these moments. That isn't even like a that isn't it, I'm not even asking Tibbs to change his way of needing a rim protector on the court. I'm asking him to let quickly and RJ live a little bit on the court. Brunson can't play 40 minutes a night every single game for the rest of the night, especially on a night like tonight when he's six for 20 and he was actively hurting the team on both ends. Like I'm going to make a crazy analogy here, but it makes sense to me. Stephen A. Smith once said white quarterbacks have to prove they can't play. African-American quarterbacks have to prove they can play. Fucking quickly has to prove he can play. And Brunson has to prove he can't quickly. Like that's how Tibbs coaches games. The guys he likes, have to prove they can't play, and the lineups he doesn't like have to prove they can't play. He literally freaks out anytime the lineups he doesn't like have one bad possession. They have one bad possession. It's call for Randall, call for Brunson. And yeah, this is a way to raise your floor as a regular season team because, because yeah, it's good to have your best players on the court a lot, but it's not a way to build a well-rounded team that can throw different looks at you, that can succeed in different ways, which is necessary in the playoffs. I'm going to say it again. There's a reason this, this guy's only won four playoff series in his entire life. It's because he's not prepared for the moments when his team's A game isn't working. And that's just another example of it. He can't just go back to Brunson when quickly and RJ have a single bad possession. That's hurting the team, in my opinion. Sorry for the whack analogy. <laughs> no, that was a good one. That was a good one. Um, damn, I've not heard him say that in a while. Crazy. Oh, he's right, though. He's right. Stephen A. Smith, philosopher. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, the rigidity of this team does help in terms of, like, this team wants to make the playoffs, ultimately speaking. Um, but those growing pains are going to be evident. And it, it doesn't really really like growing me. It just kind of feels like you know quickly can run a point. You know quickly is good. He's not like he's having a bad game. Like he had 15 points tonight on what I think 12 shots, 11 shots, 11 shots. Yeah, 16 points on 11 shots. Something I'm short. He missed the free throw. Um, also, goddamn free throws. Uh, but yeah, it just kind of feels like. This is a game where, like, I get it, the game is close, but it's also, like, you're going to have close games in the playoffs. And Brunson is going to be running, like... Against, against better opponents, too, than the Wizards. Yeah. And I know the Wizards have been on a really good groove right now, but it's also, like, the Knicks need to... Hell, tomorrow there's a back-to-back. Like, we're playing a back-to-back. Like... Against the Pelicans team that's going to be hungry for a win because they've been reeling lately. 
And Brandon Ingram is a really good player, despite the fact that he gets hurt a lot. He's still a really good player. They still have Alan Tunis and CJ McCollum. So, like, they have a squad. So it just kind of feels like this is a game where it's like you can't sell out for this game because you might not have anything left for next game. And you took a lot of energy coming back from 19 points. Like, the fact that Quickly and RJ are still, like, keeping you in the game, you're not, like, down six or whatever. Like, you're fairly competitive in the game. Like, you can can you buy Brunson two or three more minutes? And I kind of feel like that needs to be the mindset where it's like, can we buy these guys time off the court? And they've been able to do it. They just, for some reason, oh, well, not for some reason, but it just kind of feels like this coach does not want to, he wants to play his guys as much as possible and just kind of feels like that's good and all. It's great when they're able to play, but like you cannot sacrifice every possession. You cannot treat it like game seven. Because when the actual game seven comes, like, we're not going to be prepared. You're going to be in trouble. And and the other thing is, is that when the playoffs come, other teams are getting better. Because, you know, Giannis is playing what? Like 32, 33 minutes a night, right? Yes. So Giannis in the big games, in the big close games, is going to go from 32, 33 to 39, 40, you know, Tatum is playing 45 minutes a game in the playoffs, but he's playing 33, 34 minutes. He's, playing, the he's, playing, he's playing 37 right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, thought so, I thought I saw somewhere that somebody somebody's leading the league in minutes per game with like 36 or something. Um, uh, Siakam's leading the league in like 38. Oh, okay. Well, okay, 37. But still, point is, is these guys' minutes are still going to go up. It's really hard to believe that Brunson and Randall's minutes are going to go up. I'm pretty sure Tibbs is just going to do the same. And so what you're what we're all seeing right now is why Tibbs teams plateau and it's why they look really good in the regular season. And, you know, I think we're a really talented team. So I actually think this version of this team can do damage in the playoffs still when other teams get better. It's just more of a, like, we need to start being able to throw different looks and we, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, all right. We're going to jump into the ad read before we do some comments. Oh, man. All right. Let me find the ad read. I just had it up. All right. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this winter. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for basketball, hockey, and soon baseball. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over over-unders and props, your betting options feel Endless. All right. Um, I'm not going to talk about my betting failures today. Um, we will save that for another day. Call the Best number. Of, no, 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 no. We're fine. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligible restrictions apply. See show notes or short description for details. All right. 
people excuse me i have a sinus infection that's why i sound like this all right nasally ass pop smoke <laughs> all right Chris Bernard says, so two things. Adam Silver should be jailed for how awful All-Star Weekend is now. It was saved by a G-leaguer. And two, which star is asking out so we can send RJ, and he puts in parentheses, never buy jerseys, people. Kawhi. Kawhi's not asking out. He asked out once, and that was out of character for him, and he's never doing it again. Okay, when you with the Clippers fucking tank their season because they signed Russell Westbrook and they go out round one mm. and the Clippers are like, we're blowing it up because this team sucks and we're not going anywhere. Like, I'm, with, I, I'm with Tyrese. If the Clippers, I think we should all be rooting for the Clippers for rooting round one. Yes, I like, they're going to lose round one. Are we kidding you? Come on. Dude, you can't you can't underestimate Kawhi and Paul George in the playoffs. They can beat any of these Western conferences. Yeah, and I'm going to underestimate Russell Westbrook getting starter minutes. <laughs> That's. I've never seen the team take their like the fact that their odds went down after they signed Russell Westbrook should tell you how bad Russell Westbrook has been. It's crazy. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. It was the late. It was like the Lakers. The Lakers games were always so funny when Russ would be like questionable, and then he would be ruled out, and the Lakers would become more likely to win. (laughs) Like, how do people not get it? Insane. I, dude. If okay, so if the players were to start today. They would be playing the Suns in the four five matchup. I also expect the Suns to win more games. Um, if I think we're like Suns might win more games, wouldn't be surprised. Dallas won more games. They could be like sixth. If they're gonna be sixth, I mean they're gonna put, they'll be playing the Kings, so I don't know if you want to be sixth, but like and they'll end up beat the Kings. Phoenix or a team like if they're playing like a team like Phoenix, or even if they get to the play and they're playing like Denver or something, I don't know. Oh, I mean, like, I think, I think I'd, I'd take them over Sacramento, Memphis, yeah, Sacramento and Memphis. Yes, and I think it's like close to a flip against Dallas. I think they lose to Phoenix. And I think they lose to Denver, but I will say I think they'd make life really difficult for Denver. Um, Tyloo, Tyloo is a heck of a coach, and Steve Kerr kind of drew the map for how to attack Jokic. Like Jokic, I think Jokic is becoming underrated as a regular season player. I think that this whole idea that because Jokic has post like has a clear attackable, exploitable issue in the playoffs. That makes him a less valuable regular season player. is ridiculous. It's a regular season reward. He's clearly the most valuable player in the regular season. It's not close. Like, anybody who thinks Embiid or Giannis is close to him this year doesn't understand basketball. They just don't understand it. The guy, the RJ's shooting coach, the merchant who's robbing RJ blind right now, who's always yapping on Twitter about Embiid, has no fucking idea what he's talking about regarding, like, players' value because – Jokic is so much more valuable than Embiid over the course of an 82 regular season and everybody else. It's just crazy. Like all these teams, when they're, when Embiid, when Giannis, when Tatum, when they're all off the court, they all do way better than the Nuggets without Jokic. And the Nuggets are like 10 points better than all these teams when Jokic plays, when their guys play. It's insane. It's not close. But. Well, wouldn't have to do more with 
I guess like the Nuggets players too. Like what do you mean? Like how they are like on the court without Jokic. Well, like, okay. Is it the system right. like? So what is the system? No, I'm just, I just I just want to propose this because this it's just something I've been thinking about. But like the way that they play, isn't it? Because it's like it's kind of really over reliant on Jokic. So like when he sits, it's obviously there's going to be like there's obviously going to be like a decrease in the value in the how they play, right? But like they still have Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray. Are they, these are good basketball players, aren't they? Yeah, but I mean, is it the system so reliant on like how Jokic initiates and sets up everything for them that like when he comes off? I mean, like, I guess who's, who's setting the table for those guys when he's off the floor? I mean, because like Jamal Murray was a good player that he should be setting the table, but I digress. Huh? I don't know. I, I, I just yeah, he should, he should, right? I mean, I think the, I think the idea is like Jokic is so far and away the best player in the regular season. I mean, I got Giannis as my MVP just because I mean what he's been able to do with Drew as his number two for almost the whole year has been pretty you're remarkable. Always, you're always hating on you know, Drew. Did you see Drew during All Star Weekend? I'm just saying. <laughs> no, that's he was missing just, floaters. In the, I'm just saying. I just I can't, I, can't breathe on, I can't breathe on here as a Drew Holiday fan without no, catching you cannot. No. You're, no, having Drew as your number two for almost the whole year and getting forty wins—that's that's pretty impressive, man. Isn't like at, Drew's an All Star this year and Jamal Murray wasn't? I don't understand what we're talking about. And isn't, isn't we all right? know Jalen Brunson should have got Drew Holiday's All Star spot? Drew Holiday got paid All Star. Jalen Brunson should have gotten like six people's All Star spots. Demar Derozan, yeah, yeah. Tomorrow the Rose didn't want to be there, dude. I, I actually think, Sam, the point you made is a really interesting point, and I have to like digest it more mm-hmm. because it's something I've always thought about with LeBron. Mm-hmm. Like LeBron plays such a heliocentric style of basketball that when he was off, like even with the Heat, like the Heat when they had Wade and Bosch, like when LeBron wasn't playing, all the minutes LeBron was playing, they played one way. And then mm-hmm. it's like, okay, now you guys got to figure it out when LeBron's not playing. And it's yeah. like, so I get what you're saying. It's it's something that I noticed with the with the Mavs when Luca was out and yeah. like when Spencer Dinwiddie and them were hooping and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's just something that I noticed with like those really super heliocentric teams, the way like they play when their guy is on the court and when their guy is off, and like when they play the way they play when like the guy is like completely not in the in the game from start to finish in general too. The thing the thing is is that Jokic is like a weird heliocentric player because. He provides gravity like without touching the ball. Like he sets a screen and they have to. Oh, so like sort of what you're saying is that like only he can provide the screen setting that he does and like do that. But that's just sort of a compliment to how good he is. You know, like that's not really him being like a ball hog and hijacking the offense. Like yeah. I, I think it's an insult to Jokic to compare him to Luka from a Helio standpoint because I don't think he dominates the ball in that way at all. Like I think that he's very – I think Luca has very inflated assist numbers that come from just pure ball dominance. And like a lot of it is just like end of shot clock. Fine. Like he's a terrific passer. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that like, I think Jokic is kind of different. Um, so I'll have to think about that more, but it, still, I mean, like if, you know, we're playing like in a two on two friggin' basketball tournament, I don't I don't even know where I'm going with this, but like I'm your teammate and Tyrese's teammate is like fucking Benji or something. <sighs> and 
<laughs> somehow you find a way to be better with me than Tyrese does with Benji. Like, yeah, Tyrese could be like, well, of course you look better with Jeff because Jeff sucks compared to Benji, but still you dragging me to more success than Tyrese with Benji would be kind of impressive, wouldn't it? Like, I don't know. I know that's not an apples and apples analogy, but like <laughs> literally, literally the Nuggets are like eight points better per hundred. Like these aren't small margins. This is like, they're better. They're better than the Bucks by the difference between like first and second that by the difference between second and the rest of the league. Like this is, he's turning the nuggets into super teams when he plays without another all-star. Um, we talked about Jokic long enough, but yeah. the original point I was just trying to make is that I think the the Clippers with Ty Lue would take a page out of Kerr's book and in the playoffs kind of attack Jokic. And I think that, I think that the Clippers would give the nuggets a hard time if they matched up in the playoffs. So yeah, guys, we want Kawhi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that that is that is where I, what I. That's the long to. answer. That's the long yeah. version oh, of that answer. Also, side point: anybody who says they want to beat has not watched them beat past the first round of the playoffs. Stop it! I do not want to beat in this fucking team. Like, stop it, dude! Like, oh my god, we're gonna do this whole song and dance again. We're like, if he shows up in the regular season and it's like, oh great, he's gonna miss out on the MVP. Top five, top five, top five. First round is gonna come. He's gonna get injured somehow, and the second round is gonna come, and it's gonna be like a team like the Bucks just absolutely destroying him, and like or just like the Celtics who like work him every time they play against each other. They're gonna stop him, or like, and then we're gonna be like Joel Embiid is the greatest player to never make a conference final. Like Jalen Brunson has had a better run in the comp in the playoffs than Embiid has ever had. Like, what are we doing here, man? Like Joel, like. I get it. Joel Embiid is really, really flashy in regular season, but in the playoffs, he gets absolutely worked. I saw Marcus Gasol take his soul. Okay, Marcus Gasol took his soul. I saw Clint Capella bitch him for eight turnovers in Game Six and Game Seven. I saw fucking Al Horford put the clamps on him, had him in the master lock, like the heat master lock. Like the heat absolutely put it like. God, what, I don't know what people have watched, but, like, we're talking about regular season success for Joe Kick and, like, playoffs for Joe Kick, but, like, Embiid is just coasting on Ben Simmons being a corpse of himself and James Harden's hamstring injury from last year. Like, that team is going nowhere. That team is going absolutely nowhere, and Embiid's a big reason why. Yeah, I don't really feel away for about... It's a, it's, a little, it's a little much for me, I gotta say, Tyrese. I mean, I don't think they're gonna get past the second round again, but... I just think it's because Boston and Milwaukee are just better. I agree, but it's also going to be like the same thing where like Embiid gets out to like 22 points instead of 33 points, and it's going to be on like – like he's going to have like four turnovers a game in the series compared to like two and a half assists or whatever. And like when he looks absolutely human against Tatum and Brown and stuff and Horford is like giving him old man work in the low block, then like – I'm just like – I just feel like his coach is Doc Rivers and his second best player is James Harden. Let's 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 aim the let's aim the the problem is like he's not it's not like because like oh wow he's having this great series and everybody else is sucking around them. Like you can't say that about Embiid past the second round. You cannot or past the first round. You can never be like, oh, Embiid had this really great series and like the rest of the team let him down. No. It's never the case. It's never the case. For, for what it's worth, I actually looked into this because somebody was talking about, like, Jokic in the playoffs, and I was like, let's just check Embiid. And, like, obviously Jokic has gotten better, like, somehow in the playoffs every year, and then I looked at Embiid's, 
And like his true shooting percentage has gone down in every playoff series he's played in versus regular season. I think like since the first time he made the playoffs or something, I don't know. There's one year when he played four games in the playoffs and I think his true shooting percentage went up or something. But besides that, his like his efficiency has always gone down, which is fine. Like that's to be expected. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not with you. I think Embiid's great. I, I, I feel like he's one of the few players in the league who could lead their team to a champion who can be a true one on a championship team. So I I'm with you in that. He's like a frustrating player to watch. And I'm with you that his tendencies, things that help him be so effective in the regular season are less likely to occur in the playoffs, like his foul baiting, all that stuff. Um, and I also agree with you that he is an injury liability. With that being said, I, I just still think he's a really, really good player. He's a really good player on both ends. And I think the Sixers are live because of him not i mean you said that they're not going to win a championship because he's on the team that's kind of insane to me no offense they're not going to get the eastern conference finals like he's gonna he's gonna disappoint again and we will be back here in like three months and i will be laughing but um also like but if it's a matter of like star on the team give me like someone like Kawhi. just give me Kawhi or paul george bird i mean like easy easy I I agree. I would on this team especially. I would prefer Kawhi. I mean, they're both guys that you have to wrap in bubble wrap, but yeah. Um, we have the team for it. We have the floor. Well, Sam, there's there 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 some big news tonight. Neither Russ or Kawhi has a minutes restriction tonight. So. But Paul George does. Yep. So the Clippers are. It's always something with that team. <laughs> Telling right. you, we got Ace Bouchard. He says E C F. L F G. I think it's live. I, I think I it's live. Too. I think it's live. Um, conference finals for the Knicks, first since 2000 and 2000. I think yeah. they would have to play the Celtics. They would have to play. The, it can't be the Bucks. It has to be the Celtics. And <laughs> yeah, because I think Randall, if he doesn't play with his head in his ass, they don't really have an answer for him. I think the Bucks can always throw Giannis on somebody like Randall, and that just kind of like it's fucking Giannis. And he's also like arguably the best player. In the, he's the best player in the East. I think the thing with Tatum and Brown is like, I think the Knicks have the ability to match their firepower, and I also think the fact that the Knicks have, I mean, also Robert Williams is hobbled. Um, he isn't really playing as much um, as well. I think the Celtics can outscore us, but I also think that the Knicks have, for some reason, I feel like I trust the Knicks' playoff defense. I don't know why. Um, well, our playoff defense the last time we were in there wasn't that bad. It was a month, It wasn't it was bad. It was the offense. It was the offense that was so bad that was the reason why we lost. I don't know. I just kind of feel like the they really don't have a good answer for Randall the Celtics. Like it's Al Horford, but like you know, if Randall doesn't turn into a pumpkin again, exactly. But if he does turn into a pumpkin, then it's like well, it doesn't matter. But the, in the ideal world where Randall is in the pumpkin, Brunson is able to contribute as a scorer. I think we need RJ better to get his head up his ass. Um, I think they have the pieces. Like if you look at like the rosters, I get that um, the Celtics are very loaded, but it's like you think someone like Mike Muscala is going to play significant minutes? I doubt it. Um, you think someone? Yeah, like, the rotation is going to get probably significantly cut down. Like Sam Hauser is not playing any minutes. Um, they're probably gonna play like they're probably gonna play like Grant, Bro- um, Brogdon, and White off the bench, and that's it. Grant, yeah, Grant, Brogdon, White, and maybe someone like 
Williams. I think Williams. They're probably playing nothing. Wait, what do you what in that in that scenario, Sam? What are you projecting as their starting lineup? Um, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Tatum, Horford, and okay, Williams. Okay, so Horford's, Horford's a starter. Okay, Horford and yeah. Williams. Yeah, and then it would be and like the bench would be Grant, Brogdon, and White. Yeah, that's that's their rotation. I 100 percent agree, and they'll stagger Horford and Robert Williams pretty well, so that they're mm-hmm. unless they want to go really small. But yeah, yes, yes. yep. Like you're not gonna see Sam Howell, you're not gonna see Michael Scala. So like. So, like, again, you look at the next top eight. Like, I don't think there's a significant gap there. Um, I don't they think have, so. They have Tatum. Exactly. That's <laughs> the thing. It's like, no, I'm talking about, like, the next top eight. Like, it's not from, like, the stars, of course. Like, okay, fine. I saw it from, like, the stars of each team. Like, do you think the supporting cast are, like, so drastically, like, I don't think the supporting cast is drastically, like... Well, you're always guaranteed to get, like, one of those insane shooting games from either Brogdon, White, or... Marcus Smart or two out of the three together in a game. Yeah. So I there's think always Knicks, that. Like I think quickly, I think quickly is live to have like one of those games too. Um, quickly is live for that. He is but like our luck against those type of shooting nights is like so bad because of the, the way that we game plan against those type of defense against like the way our defense game plans against that type of shooting. It's so hard to like mitigate against that unless like Thibs really leans into a heavy shift and like maybe he does it because it's a playoff game maybe he doesn't maybe he just tells the guys to execute harder like i don't know so it's like it's i will i I just want to add one thing to what sam said because i agree i think we can beat boston i think we'd be big underdogs but I, i think we'd be live to beat boston and i think we can beat philly and cleveland i think that milwaukee is the one series where Tibbs would shine brightest because I think he would specifically build a matchup to make non-Giannis players build us. It's not a matchup, a scheme. I think, I, I think I'd go as far as to say Tibbs is the number one coach. I would want to be coaching specifically in a playoff series against the Bucks. No other scenario, but specifically against the Bucks. It would be in that moment that I would be like, thank God Tibbs is our coach. I'm going to be fucking furious when it's the first round and we're doing the same stupid shit and we lose in the first round, like, if that happens. But if we played some big second-round series against Milwaukee, I would trust Tibbs to make Drew Holiday, make Grayson Allen. I would just trust him to build a wall in a creative way that makes it as difficult as possible as Giannis. Um, I agree with Sam in the sense uh, I, I actually think Giannis is the best player in basketball. So like when I was saying about Jokic earlier, it was specifically regarding the structure of what the MVP is. The MVP is to me the most valuable player during the regular season. But I, I don't think that means best player in the basketball because if MVP went to the best player in basketball, LeBron and Jordan would have, you know, 15 MVPs each. So that's not what the award is. Um, so, yes, it's all relative, but I think that Tibbs would do a better job than just about any coach, save maybe the Celtics. The Celtics seem really well-equipped, too, with their personnel and their scouting to defend Giannis, but I would just trust Tibbs in that. So, do I think we would beat Milwaukee? No, I don't think, but I I do think I, – I don't think we'd be 0% or, like, dead to beat Milwaukee. I, I, I can see that. I can see that. I don't know. I just have the feeling that – 
playing the Celtics, I feel like the defense would be better. Um, I think the defense would be better for Milwaukee series, but I feel like the Celtics just like I don't I don't know what it is. I just if Randall is that like last game like, gave you a high versus them, didn't it? it did. I mean, we'll find out Monday if I'm right or if I'm just crazy. So. Yep, we'll see. Um, Walt Clyde Frazier says they won this game despite Nickelback being the fe- the featured musical artist. Dude, that That's was so crazy. Great. Honestly, I don't know what's up with MSG Network's um, music every Friday, but it's like the selection is getting constantly worse and worse and worse. Um, Forget how bad it was. How is Nickelback still making music? I don't like. <laughs> come on, man. Enough's enough. <laughs> Enough's enough. <laughs> Oh them, my gosh! Yeah, I mean, but yeah, the check clears. That's all that matters. Yeah, they're getting the check from MSG apparently, and James Dolan. So James Dolan probably does listen to Nickelback. That doesn't surprise me at all. Mm, that's definitely his vibe. Yep. See, you guys are like, you know, still alive. Like, you guys are young. Can you guys name a Nickelback song? No. Photograph. Okay. The, like you should. Wow. I mean, but like I was like you know in middle and high school when they were when they were peaking you know like I know all their just pure awful songs. I you know, way like, more time, listen, yeah, I way more time listening to Kings of Leon than Nickelback. I don't. I can admit that. Seventeen's <laughs> um, wow. a classic. Don't mess with Kings of Leon, dude. I'm surprised uh, that there wasn't like a video game like that you guys played that had a Nickelback song on the soundtrack because like I feel no. like. I probably ignored it or all the games I played were like I just played the early WWE games, so it was just like a bunch of saliva and limp biscuit, and then like I played a bunch of Tony Hawk and it was just a bunch of ska. So I don't really think I had like the Nickelback crossover. I don't even think Nickelback really put like music in a lot of games. They shouldn't. Is 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 Reigns dropping the belt at WrestleMania or is is this run continuing? Uh Reigns are dropping the belt at WrestleMania. It's happening. It's been it's been a hell of a run. Okay, so like, yeah, they didn't really have their game. They didn't really have their music in a lot of games. Like Good. it was rock rock bands <laughs> for the most part. They had SmackDown vs. Eleven. Uh, SmackDown vs. Raw twenty eleven. What? Uh flat out to karaoke revolution. Yeah, so like for the most part, it's just like song. It's like song drums. So like. Nobody's listening to Nickelback unless you're playing in a rock band, which makes sense. Um, so Jordan Bub says, it seems the fifth seed is ours for the taking and maybe the fourth seed if things break our way. He also says, huge games coming up against the Pelicans tomorrow. And the next week will be an important home stretch of games, Boston and BK at home and Friday in Miami. Yes. Wow. Okay, wow. These are all very important games. I mean, the Brooklyn and the Miami games, especially, I mean, that goes into like seeding. Like if we beat Brooklyn, don't we? We would be tied season series, right? Or yeah, we'd be tied season series. Okay, and we should have the fifth seed. I th- we probably have, might have the fifth seed by the end of the week. So and then Friday in Miami, that's huge because that gives us a break away from Miami, and then we also have the season series lead, which would be. I mean, we already have the season series lead, right? We're, we're gonna play Miami three times in the next month, so like I don't. Even oh. Know. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah. But I mean, hey, getting this win is still important because, I mean, that still keeps us yeah. distanced from them. Yeah, we're, um, we're a game and a half up, and we could be two games up, um, two and a half games up by the end of tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, 
I, I, I just say win these next, if we don't win the Mustang game, at least win these next three out of the next four to give us some like really good distance and like progression towards that um, fifth seed. Yeah. I, and honestly, again, I think the fourth seed is in play. The fourth seed is definitely in play for this team. Almighty fourth seed back again. Dude, if you they they spent the last two years making that like a talking point on Twitter. If the Knicks were just managed to get back to the fourth seed, even if it's the fifth seed, full almighty, circle, like almighty fifth seed, like that'd be hilarious. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Full circle moment. Oh man, I mean, I, do, are, I do wish like those the 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 guys you see talking about like the almighty fourth seed i think there's actually an interesting conversation to be had there about the value of floor raising versus the value of ceiling chasing but they just like Take they the don't degree. they don't engage or like incentivize a conversation they just <laughs> you know like type in all caps and get like call anyone who disagrees with them stupid and so it's just like it's frustrating because I do think that there is like, like, let's, I don't know. Like we don't have to have it here, but there is like a, don't you want more for your franchise than just like battling in the first round? And if you truly do believe that is the ceiling for this team, I don't, I think the ceiling's higher, but if you truly do believe that the most, you know, a team led by Jalen Brunson and Julius Randall playing this well, if the ceiling is losing in the first round, it's like, what are you doing? You know, like what is your goal as a franchise? Because it should be for more. Um, and again, I, I said earlier, like, you know, there will be legitimate inflection points when this franchise is going to have to make decisions and they're going to have to learn from experiences. And what happens in these playoffs is one of those moments because, you know, it's just you you don't want to you don't want to pretend you know what's going to happen. I certainly don't know what's going to happen. But if certain things happen, how the front office reacts, how the fan base reacts is going to be very telling because I think this team is closer than a lot of other people think. Um uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is great. This is great. Oh, that's that ticker is gonna be fantastic. That's a good one. <laughs> I had to. I, I finally figured out how to put tickers, so oh, these are gonna be. This is gonna be beautiful. <laughs> All right, let's get to the next comment. Um, Meadow F asks, should we expect Brunson, Quick, Randall, Hart to be the closing lineup for most nights? Yes, I think so. Yes. You probably swipe out. You probably swap out maybe. It's probably easy. I know Thibs too well. He's going to swap out quick for, you know, either RG or Grimes, depending on who has it going that night. Um, but I think Hart is kind of like a mainstay now in the closing lineup. Yes. By the way, uh, Grimes is kind of getting lost in the shuffle here. And, like, yes. I don't think Grimes should have closed tonight. And his man defense on Beal was awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, legitimately awesome. Mm-hmm. And if Grimes is going to be the fourth banana, which I think he is of those fourth player, four players right now, I think it's pretty clearly it's pretty clear that Tibbs has quickly Hart and RJ above him. Tibbs should fudge his rotation so that at the five minute mark when Hart and uh, quickly come in, 
they're coming in for Brunson and RJ. Grimes should get a longer a longer shift in the first quarter to get a feel for the game and earn closing minutes. Because if Grimes is never going to close, if you're taking away that fourth quarter shift from him, having him be the first guy out to start halves, you're capping his minutes at like 20 minutes a night. Mm-hmm. And Brunson's right now, like I said earlier, playing 40 minutes a night. So take, you know, four to six minutes away from Brunson, get that number down to 35 and make sure Grimes gets 25 minutes a night. Let Grimes go until, you know, the two, three minute mark of the first quarter and get him more minutes against opposing benches, get him his feet more into the game, get him more minutes with more lineups, let him play with quickly. He doesn't really play with quickly anymore. Mm-mm. You know, let him play with Hardenstein who might, you know, help him with his movement. These are things that can help Quentin Grimes because if he's just dead to close games, he's going to get lost in the shuffle and he's so good. Like I, I'm not, I don't mean he's so good. Like, Oh, he's almost an all-star, but look like almost an all-star over the all-star weekend. Yeah, you you look great. You don't you don't want him to get lost in the shuffle, and you don't want his minutes to be capped. Um, so yeah, I I think that the rotation should be fun. I mean, let's be honest. I don't know what you guys think about this, and I'm curious to hear what you think about it. But in my opinion, Brunson and Randall both playing the entire first and third quarters a joke. I think that's just like the laziest, dumbest rotation strategy of all time. And I think it's just one of those things that's hurting the team. It is, especially after you like get done watching like other NBA teams and like you see how they play like their two best players and like how like one of them will be on the court for a little bit. Then the other one will be on the court for a little bit. Then like they'll flip flop. Then they'll be on the court together for a little bit. Like it's never as extreme and as insane as Thibs does it, like Thibs does everything to like the nth degree, and it shouldn't be done that way. Because like this is not a playoff game; we're playing regular season basketball. Relax, guy. Like seriously. Yep. I, I think what I feel about it is, I I'm okay with the playing the first quarter. I think that's okay. The third quarter is where I'm like, I think one of them should be pulled earlier. And I think staggering in the third in the second half is more important than staggering in the first half. Because I feel especially since Randall's first quarters are have been so strong all season, I think giving him that leash is okay. Um I think if you are gonna pull him, I would want Obi Toppin with the starters. I think that should be happening more. But Randall's first quarters have been so good for this team and so pivotal for this team getting off to good starts that, like, I don't think I want to, like, stop that. But I think Brunson should be – I do think that, like, in the third quarter and the fourth quarter, like, I think Randall should be coming out earlier. So that way you could, like, you could preserve him for maybe, like, nine minutes in the fourth quarter if need be. Yeah, my my exact sub pat. first of all, if you guys remember – Brunson was always the first guy out of the game for like the first third of the season. I yeah, was really, really, I thought that was really cool. Like that was a way to get quickly more point guard minutes. I, I really like the Tibbs did that. Um, so I would go back to that. My, my sub pattern would be at like the five minute mark. I'd pull Brunson, RJ and Mitch for Hartenstein quickly and Hart, And then I would reinsert, RJ for Grimes 
at about the two minute mark, two to one to two minute mark, and I would play Randall the whole first quarter. Like I, I'm working within Tibbs's paradigm here. But that would be my first quarter rotation. I would, and then I would start the second quarter with Brunson back on the court with quickly and Hart and Obi. Yeah. Um, wait, no, that's wrong. I wouldn't start with, I wouldn't start. No, no, no. I, I would reinsert Brunson early in the second, but yeah. Um, I just think it's better to get, to get more combinations of players and really see what works. And like this team's depth is its biggest strength. This team isn't a star heavy team. Tibbs' strategy would be more effective if this was like, you know, a big three that we were trying to ride, but it's not. This team's biggest strength is its depth and its versatility. You have to try different things. You have to try different combinations. And I mean, we'll see what he does. But like Sam always says, if somebody tells you who they are, just believe them. You know, and Tibbs has been Tibbs has been telling us who he is for two and a half seasons now. He's been yelling it in our faces. Yeah. Like, he's the guy who literally says, he's like, you know, I'm not good for you. And you keep coming back. Kids are just like, he's fun. And he is fun. And it's like sometimes you're just like, you're on a high and sometimes. And you keep coming back for more. And that's what Tom Thibodeau is. We just don't know how to quit him. <laughs> we don't know how to quit him. By the way, by the way, Tyrese, you you got a little uh you got a little wild on Twitter today talking about Jabari Smith Jr. <laughs> Dude, uh, I I I I said it I literally told Press that like last draft cycle and I was like dude you can't hit twos <laughs> like what are we doing if you can't hit twos and people were like he's number one and I'm like you don't pick a guy like that number one and people are very shocked that he's struggling and Houston is like everybody's gonna struggle in Houston because like it's Houston they suck but like he, he was he was he was clearly clearly not a number one pick but I uh, I only brought it up because he started tonight 0 for 7 and I thought of your tweet and laughed and laughed after after seeing that he I mean I'm not laughing at him you never want somebody to struggle but I was just like I said you were getting a little outrageous on Twitter and I was like it just reminded me of you. Oh God, Houston's just Houston's a shit show. Well, they're gonna get James Harden, so who cares? You get James Harden. That's so That's weird. So Why would he do that? Because it's strippers and blues. It's a good point. You make it's an easier point. life when winning isn't, yeah. you know. He does not want fresher, dude. Like, I mean, like, I get Rang's culture has infiltrated the NBA to a very negative thing, but it's like, I think James Harden literally is okay just making $50 million. Like, he's Dame. He's Dame. He's Beal. Like, I don't think he's like somebody who's like, oh, I'm just super uber competitor here. But like, I think he's a competitor, but I think he's also just like, if I could just get paid and chill and like, I'm not, I'm not like asked to be this guy. And honestly, like, if they pay James Harden, like, that team is done. That's the thing, like, that team is done if they pay Harden, like, the money that he's going to command. Like, he's already, what, 33? What are you um, doing? Yeah, he was born in 89, I believe. Yeah, he's 33. He needs to be 34 this year. So, like, 
I just I don't see why any team would give 34 year old James Harden like a max. Like he's he's been a good player this year, maybe even a really good player this year. Yeah, Houston would do it because he was still raised their floor to be competent. Yeah, that's a good point. And they don't have money to spend anyway, so like, why not? So I'm not sure yeah. he'd be like. A, I'm not sure he'd be like a culture setter though for like. Jaylen he wouldn't Green. be a culture setter, but like he would. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna make the team money. Um, yeah. he's gonna realistically be really good for someone like Jabari Smith Jr. Like, can James Harden can literally make the worst of the players absolutely like efficient? Like, look at what he did for someone like Clint Capella. You know, so yeah, like, that's... yeah. So I. I think it's fine for them. I just think it's a matter of like, and then if James Harden leaves, they're like, Joe Wimby is like not staying there because you have no picks and your only asset is like, you have Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris and that's good for your trade package. Harden's career is really wild because like, you guys see the new ticker? James Harden. (laughs) (laughs) But like that 2018, I mean, Draymond Green has said it like because they had that was their second year with Durant. That was the peak of that team. Like Draymond Green has said, we knew we wouldn't lose. Like we we were just like that was the best we ever were. Even though 2016 they won 73 games, and 2017 they, you know, they won the title easier. I think they only lost one playoff game. Um, yeah, they did. Yeah, and uh, they said. 2018 is the best they ever felt about themselves. And James Harden and Chris Paul with a team of role players was like favored to beat them at multiple points in series and took them to seven. And like that winning that title for James Harden and Chris Paul would have been worth multiple titles in my opinion. And Chris Paul's hamstring just couldn't, it couldn't last one more game. Like that's just a while. Like, you know, a lot of people like will make fun of Chris Paul and they'll, you know, right. Me. That that game five against OKC is like one of the most hilarious choke jobs ever. But he has had just some brutal luck too, and that 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 is a prime case of that, in my opinion. Yep, but he doesn't want it. He doesn't have a dog at him, unlike our Lord and Savior Julius Randle. So. <laughs> um, what do we got? What do we got coming up, Sam? What are what are our next comments we got? Yes. Um. All right, here we go. Um, well, Clyde Fraser says Randall and IQ deserve their flowers, but Hart was huge in the fourth and everything other than scoring. Not sure we win without him. We don't. Like those dive those dives on the ground for loose balls legitimately like save that team. Yeah, and this is the this is why I'm gonna I'm gonna put on my rare Tibbs defender cap. Uh-oh. This is why this shit's just really hard because you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, you know, and and fans are always going to be reactionary. They're always going to be results oriented. But all of Hart quickly, RJ, when he's defending like he did tonight and processing like he did tonight and Grimes, all four of them bring stuff. And it's on the coach to decide what is most important on any given particular night. And so, yeah, I can sit here and say from my couch, man, RJ really looked like he had it in the fourth quarter. He maybe should have closed, but Tibbs decided to close with Josh Hart 
And Josh Hart made three of the biggest plays of the game, none of which involved him dominating the ball at all. They were pure hustle plays that helped win the game. Like Walt Clyde Frazier said, I don't think the Knicks win this game tonight. I think we all agree with that without Josh Hart being on the floor for those games. He, and to a lesser extent quickly, have a nose for the ball and just they make shit happen that helps their team win. Um, do I think that Tibbs should just default to closing Josh Hart every single game? No, I don't think that he should. But it's really, really easy to be like, okay, this effort, this whatever it is that Josh Hart has that we've seen every single game, I can depend on that. I understand where Tibbs is coming from when he feels that way. For knowing um, the Josh Hart error. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And so that's why I just want to, you know, I always want to try and be reasonable. And I'm going to sit here and I'm as hard – we're as hard on Tibbs as anyone, but this shit's not easy. And with the job the front office has done, I mean, they have a legitimate nine man rotation where, you know, seven of those guys can reasonably be out there at the end of every single game. That's Tibbs job is going to be hard. And I hope that these guys keep making his job hard because that means they're all playing well. That's good for the team. Um, Yeah. Oh my gosh, but yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I agree. I think he 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 shouldn't default to heart. But I mean, like you said, it's very hard to like not. keep someone like that off the floor when they bring you so much. Like even when he's not scoring, like tonight, he was not raining down threes, but yet he was still as effective as he was in his first three games where he was raining down threes. Because the I mean the the two like he didn't get the ball, but like the fact that he went for it and got a loose ball foul, which got us another possession, was huge because that's something that just we that never happens to us. Like as 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 Knicks fans, like we're not used to seeing the ball bounce our way, and it's due to like not having guys that like get dirty on the ground and get those scrapes and those knee burns and stuff like that, like. We don't I usually have guys that do that. So to so have someone like Josh Hart that does that and see it immediately benefit us in the four straight games that we've played with him, it's been huge. Yep. Yeah, it's perfectly so. Sorry, Tyrus. You no, you're good. Um, he, He's just going to be this team's like Starks, Mason, um, Energizer Bunny kind of dude, and I'm okay with that. And also, Leon Rose going to take him to the cleaners this offseason and for free agent negotiations. I'm also okay with that. That hometown this guy's going to hit different when he's just like, you know, think of how much you're going to love playing in the garden for $14 million a year. So, Tyrese, you, one, one of the things you talked about um, a couple, a month or two ago, before the trade deadline, you talked about wanting to acquire Gary Trent Jr because of his contract situation. And you talked about how not only because you liked Gary Trent Jr. as a player, but also because with, you know, who is going to be free agents in 2024 and 2025, the contract that we would likely re-sign Gary Trent Jr. for would be a useful trade chip. Do you feel similarly about Josh Hart if we extend him do you think the Knicks are in a similar spot to the one you described if they trade for Gary Trent Jr.? How do you see that playing out going forward? 
I think because Josh Hart is um older and he's not like a prolific scorer the way Derrick Trent Jr. is, that like the idea of like oh he could centerpiece the trade isn't there. But like Josh Hart is gonna have value because like he's a winning role player who fits on a lot of different teams, and also his contract is not gonna be that exorbitant. I don't expect it to be that exorbitant. Um, if I were to peg his value now, I'd say like three forty-five. Like I think he's fifteen million dollars a year max. I don't really see him getting like eighteen twenty. Um, because like he isn't a shooter. He's a decent defender, but he's also undersized for a wing. And ultimately speaking, like he's good, but like I don't think a lot of teams are going around with the way to acquire Josh Hart. And plus, also he wants to be here. So like even on his last year, his last year was what three three six or something like that. So like. I think that this would be like, okay, we'll do it right by you. We'll give you like 342, 345. I think he'll take it. Um, it'll be Man, like, he's, he's at least getting four for 60, right? Like even if it's 15 million a year, he's he's getting four for 60, right? I think it'll be three years. If he gets a fourth year, it'll be team option or not guaranteed. All right. Because like you're paying for like 28, 29, 30. Yeah. 31 would be like, well, he could, he could be a decent player to 31. I think the Knicks – will always build contracts in with, like, the ability to get out of it. Um, I guess, I guess what, I, what I was getting at, though, is do you think that they're still setting up to make the trade? Like, do you yeah. still think that's the main plan? Not for Josh. Not with Josh Hart, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, I were to, if I were a betting man, and I'm not Sam, uh, <laughs> but if I were to, like, bet on what the trade package would probably be, it'd probably be like RJ and Grimes. I think they would probably trade like RJ and Grimes. Because they're not finishing games with them. Um they also have their MLE this year. And that'll be quickly like, has beat the allegations. Yeah, pretty, <laughs> uh, yeah honestly yeah. Like I don't think top seven is trading quickly. Like and I think also because like the front I don't think the front office wants to trade quickly. Dude. Like I don't think the, I think they're gonna get extended this offseason. I think he's gonna get like a good bag. He might get near twenty mil. And I wasn't confident in him getting twenty million before the season, but like four seventy eight, four seventy two, four seventy eight with incentives, like I can see that. Especially if he's like top three, six men of the year, like they're getting that done. They're getting that done. Because they're not even letting him touch free agency. And the hype has started for Emmanuel Quickly's yep, campaign. Um, shout out to Sam Amick of The Athletic. He had an article that came out today where him and, I guess, some other reporters were discussing their, like, top three candidates. And I believe two out of three of them had Emmanuel Quickly in their top three. So that is a good sign. And, uh, and hopefully more more reporters are catching on. I know Zach Lowe had a nice little s- soliloquy or a monologue about um, Emmanuel Quickly um, during one of his um, – tidbits um after our celtics victory um and he spoke about um menu quickly i posted on my timeline so you know more and more national media is catching on to menu quickly's impact finally um and you know shout out to Manu quickly for continuing (laughs) um shout out to menu quickly for finally you know putting together a long very long consistent stretch of hoops to, you know, finally show the masses what we've been preaching about. So, you know, goes both ways. He beat the It's a really good point. Like, when's the, when's the last time quickly played a bad game? It's been a while. Like, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't even mean, like, 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 we used to say, 
like, and I don't think we were wrong, but we used to like say quickly would have like a two for nine game. And the three of us would be on here being like, yeah, but the process, you know, like quickly is defense. And like, yeah, quickly's always been, that's why quickly's always been an impactful player. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Now he's putting, now he's putting together consistent scoring stretches where it's matching the output of his defense as well. And the playmaking beat, and the rebounding. We beat Philly by 11. Uh, at home six games ago. And he was two for eight in 28 minutes and a team worst minus 19. So oh, wow. there's a bad game. And then I the didn't even remember it. I scrubbed those from my memory. Yeah. And then the game before that, he was three for 12 against the Clippers. So that's a nice little two game stretch where he was five for 20. But you take away that those two games and he literally hasn't had a bad game since like indiana 20 games ago like he's just good every single game ever since we put him in the starting lineup he's just and he's gotten consistent minutes mm-hmm. once he had the starting lineup he was able to show thibs all right this is what i can do and then thibs was like all right I'll, i guess i'll keep playing you off the bench a little bit more and more and more until you know you know Dude, on november 27th he played 10 minutes insane against the Grizzlies. what game was that i have to i have to, I have to go see that post game we lost gotta... by four we lost by four to the grizzlies what the fuck <laughs> how did we deal with this i'm looking at the game logs right now 13 we, i have to go back and watch that post game and and then just like see how we were because like what is this bullshit this is i can't believe this was a thing i can't believe like 13 minutes 16 minutes 19 minutes what the is Tibbs the luckiest human being ever that Jalen Brunson and RJ Barrett got hurt and like yes God God yes. like <laughs> what yes. the fuck is this dude? Do Tom Thibodeau has been coasting on the fact that he just locks into shit ever? This God, is- man has Sierra's prayer. It's just ah. Oh. I'm glad it works out, but Jesus, it takes like it's like pulling teeth. It's like trying to get a kid to like eat green beans because they're good for you, and he's just like, no, I don't want it. No, don't. <laughs> and then like, he actually eats the green beans. He's like, oh, it's not that bad. Like, Jeez, eat your vegetables, dude. It's not hard. <laughs> dude, the God. we the 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 Demar Derozan game quickly played twenty one minutes. He had fifteen points on six of ten shooting. Was a team best plus eleven, and we lost by one. Oh my god, we should we should be what like five games better than we are right now. I I know, dude. I I just I'm not gonna get mad at it because they're still like a really good, they're a solid team. With like Jesus Christ, this team could have been like this team really could have been like. I mean, they're probably gonna. I I think they'll be around fifty wins, but like, ah. So man, (laughs) so Terry, to your point earlier, JL has. It broken down. It says Randall shooting forty percent from three and away games from on eight point five three point attempts. At home, he is shooting twenty eight percent from three on seven point six three point attempts. Worst high volume three point shooter of all time at home versus one of the best in the league on the road. Telling you, dude, fifth seed. 
they will win two games in the in the if they get to the playoffs, they're gonna win two games because Julius Randle decided to go off for three on the road. And I hope they're gonna lose a game because he's gonna go on one for eight. Telling you now. And to purport this, in my opinion, ridiculous argument, but whatever, we'll go with it. If the Knicks start on the road where they're more comfortable, then the home games will come when he has gotten his feet wet into the series. You know, he's got mm-hmm. a feel for it. Instead of leading off with the home games, now there's less pressure. You know, we steal one on the road. All of a sudden, that game three back at the Garden is looking mighty juicy, and he's already, you know, played well. The pressure's a little bit off. I'm mm-hmm. starting mm-hmm. to talk myself into it. <laughs> well, like, what's going to happen is he's going to go 11 to 20 from the field in game four or whatever. And like the Knicks are gonna go up like three one, but like he's gonna go one for nine from three, and you're gonna be like, oh my god, he basically just went like insane from two point range, and then like you could not hit a three to save your life. But he's also gonna go like seven of nine from the free throw line, so like he's just gonna have a monster game. We're just gonna ignore the three point percentage. I'm telling you, dude, like Julius Randle, Julius Westbrook at home, and Julius Curry on the road is Julius real. Westbrook. Oh man, you're Russell Randall. Actually, no, Russell Randall sounds better. We'll do that. Russell Randall. Wow, he's going for yep. the alliteration there. Yep. <laughs> um. All right. So Chris Bernhard says, "Did y'all see Dame got insulted at All Star Weekend because people keep memeing him? Dude acts like we're happy he's failing. He's such a Swin approved loser. Dame what does won- Swin approved loser mean, by the way? Exactly. Mean. Is that really a Schwinn approved loser? I think I don't think Schwinn likes Zach Levine. No, the whole point is like Schwinn approved loser means that Schwinn hates your guts with a passion. Um, mm, okay. So like Zach Levine, uh, Julius Randle, 2020, 2020, um, 2021, 2022. Uh, like if Schwinn, if you if Schwinn talks about you, he goes like, "Shut the fuck up, dude! Get the fuck out of here! You're a Schwinn approved loser. Dame is a Schwinn approved loser." Yeah, I mean, Tyrese nailed it. <laughs> Tyrese has Tyrese has gotten the back end of Schwinn rants more than more than any other. <laughs> so. I, I know Schwinn way too well for this. Yeah. <laughs> you guys is- have like you guys have like the weirdest love hate relationship I've ever seen because you guys will be sitting there on pod joking for fifteen minutes and then you'll just like innocently be like, you know, I thought Randall was pretty good tonight, and Schwinn will just be like, shut the fuck up, Tyrese. <laughs> <laughs> and then just like go off on you and it's like all off season was just me going i think Randall's a good a decent player in the right context he's like dude shut the fuck up okay <laughs> what are you talking about oh what are we doing here man that's his favorite he's like what are we doing here like Damn, that uh, is one of his favorites <laughs> um adult donkeys a time for turtles what a name by the way that's an incredible name Yes, he can. Um, I have no idea what that means, but he, can um, he says, just can Hart be signed to a descending contract? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. I expect the Knicks to probably do that as well. That's their favorite thing to do. Like, with, if the Brunson got to sign a descending contract, they're going to sign Hart to a descending one. It'll probably be like, I can see it being like 16, 14, 13. And then like maybe something like 13 again with a player um, with a team option. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. If it's like, I gotta be honest, Harry. I think he's getting more money. I don't know, man. I don't see a team paying him. I do not. It doesn't matter. matter. Like, 
For, okay, so th- first of all, it's a Tristan. It's a Tristan Thompson situation. Like, like if negotiations go bad, the Knicks can't because they have to extend quickly, or they're eventually going to resign quickly, and they're already operating over the cap, even uh, losing Fournier. So it's resign Josh Hart or get nothing. So, like, you know, everybody laughed at the Cavs when they gave Tristan Tristan Thompson that contract, but he had all the leverage. Like, the Cavs had this set team, and Tristan Thompson, you can make fun of him all you want. He was essential to that team, and it was either re-sign him to a ridiculous contract when he shared an agent with LeBron or lose him for nothing. The Knicks don't want to lose Josh Hart for nothing. They'd look really stupid. Um. So Hart has more leverage than you're giving him credit for. Yeah, but I don't think the fact that Leon Rose was his agent kicks in here. I think that's even more reason they would overpay him. I think Leon Rose would give him like a, oh, you're my guy. Like, yeah, okay, but like me. his last contract was three for 36. So I don't like – so I think he'll get more on his next deal, but like I don't think he's going to get so much significant, significantly more than he, what he's making now is my point. So like – a three, like what, uh, maybe two, three million dollar pay bump. I think he's had three for 38 essentially. If he goes like three for 45, that's still that's still a race, you know. So, like, he goes going, for what? Can you say the number again? I'm sorry, three for 45. Dude, no way, no way. I'm sorry, yes. I, I, no way. If we, dude, if we get him for three for 45. I'll freaking get on here and you can tell me whatever song you want me to. I'll karaoke my I'll karaoke my ass off on here and embarrass the shit out of myself. If we get him for that number, you can pick any song you want. I'll sing That's it for our viewers and I'll make it. I have the worst voice ever and I'll fucking sing it. There's no chance that we get him for 345. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. First of all, clip this. Second of all, Sex on Fire by Kings of Leon. Um, okay, yeah, I'm, I mean that's that's as white as it gets. I'm I'm there. I'm there, man. I'm exactly. I, I, can, I, can, I can sing that shit. You can do, um, do seventeen or second far, your choice. But I'll say my number. My number is four for seventy. Oh my god! I bet he gets four for seventy. Josh Hart? Yeah, seventeen point five a year, <laughs> dude. That's two and a half million. It's an extra year and two and a half million dollars a year more than what Tyrese just said. You guys are acting like it's crazy. I know. I. How do they? Four for seventy would get the Lou Dort reaction out of me for him, for him, man. Man, ah, I can't see that. I can't. How is that? So I just, I still. What if I think? I think. I think the extra. I think the year, the extra year. Right with it with a team option on the fourth year. So four for seventy with a team option on the fourth year. Okay. <sighs> I mean, million? you guys better be clipping this. I'm. I. I. I dude, if we get him for three niche? fucking forty-five, that would be crazy to me. I don't know. I, I cannot see. Like, I don't think the Knicks are gonna do. Like, nah. I guess we'll see. I four, guess we'll see. Four for seventy would indicate that he's getting seventeen and a half per year. I I just can't see a team paying him that. Like, I get it's like two million dollars less, but like, oh, ah, that's. I mean, what if I had you, Tyrese? You just said three for forty-five, right? I mean that's fifteen. It's fifteen compared to seventeen point five. No, I know, but if I had said four for sixty with a team option, would you have thought that was crazy? No, because I. Okay. Yeah, so I think. 
it might be something like that where like it's four for sixty, three for forty-five. But I do think it, like it tops at around fifty, um, fifteen million. I just yeah, I I cannot see a team paying him nearly eighteen million dollars. Remember, like you're thinking about like raises on the deal as well. Cannot see a team that's like we're gonna pay Josh Hart eighteen million dollars right before the cap raises. Man, you're hate. That's some hate on Josh. Like he's really good. Why are we? He's why are good, we under but it? like. like we were literally he, just talking about how we don't win this game without. I know, but he's good in the sense of like he does the glue guy things. But like when guys get paid like that, unless you're Draymond, and Draymond is like a generational defender, like glue guys don't get paid. Glue guys do not get paid. Like he'd be getting more money than Jonathan Isaac got, and that was like at the peak of Jonathan Isaac, dude. Like I cannot see that happening. Um, yeah. There's other examples, though. I mean, Sam just said Lou Dort. I mean, Lou Dort had to get paid because, like, OKC just, like... Had nobody. Yeah. And, like, they're OKC. Didn't John John Collins make, like... $125 million, but John Collins was averaging, like, 18 or 40% from three. I'm just trying. I'm just going... He's a bum, and they're trying to get rid of him now. What is, like, Kelly Oubre making? Kelly Oubre is making $12 million a year. Whoa, really? Oh, okay, I thought it was... I, I would have assumed it was way more. Yeah, so, like, if Grant Williams... Like, that would be, like, what Grant Williams got. Like, or Grant Williams is probably going to get a free agency. I cannot see a team paying more for Josh Hart than Grant Williams or something like that. Man. I guess I'm just biased. I mean, I would... I know, rather... I get it, but it's like... That would... Like... I... I I don't think like guys who don't shoot, I don't think really get paid like that. And he's a decent shooter, but he's not like a shooter shooter to put into like layman's terms. So like I just I can't see it. I can't see it. But if it happens, I'm not gonna complain because like I want Josh Hart on the team. But I cannot see him getting like Fournier. Like he get around the same price as Fournier. Walt Clyde Frazier says I have to sing Nickelback, not not uh, <laughs> not Kings of Leon. I don't know enough Nickelback. Don't they? Didn't they sing that song? This is how you remind me. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that was Nickelback. I I know that song, Photograph, and uh, you know I can I can. Do you guys know Sugar Ray? Yes. That's like that's like some nineties, some white ass nineties shit. I, oh, Sugar Ray and Nickelback are very confusable. They're both off. They're both, you know. They... Look, I, I'm all there for white ninety shit. Um, <laughs> I know more than I want to admit. So, yeah, man. I, yeah. I See, that. like that's the thing. Tag's question. I was saying before the season that I would have given quickly four for eighty before the season. Like I was like, we should lock him up for that. He's gonna probably what they're gonna end up giving him. He's probably yeah, he's probably gonna get that now, but like think about what it had to happen for order for him to get that. He had to have like a sustained stretch of really efficient and very consistent play. Play himself um into six man of the year conversations. Essentially yes. like a lot of things needed to happen, and like now he's gonna be in that range, but before the season started, while he was still like kind of slumping a bit, like I don't know. I just think the season that Mitch had last year, and he got four for 60. 
I I just don't see like that's 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 a that's actually a really good point. Man, that Mitch contract is crazy. And I, it's descending, dude. It's nuts. It's nuts. I can't believe there are people. Who, I I really hope there's not video of me somewhere bashing that contract, but I feel like there's not. I feel I feel like I was I was there the whole time. But man, that's a that's a really good. I deal. called it in like February before the trade deadline. Oh, before he got extended, I was like, yeah, he's doing like. We haven't really talked about Mitch tonight. We haven't said much about Mitch. I didn't think he played that well. What, what did you guys think of his game? Um, I, okay. I like the possessions like he where he got the us. offensive boards for us. Um, But, I mean, other than that, he was okay. For his first game back, he wasn't, like, absolutely terrible. But, like, I think he'll be fine. Like, he didn't look, like, totally, like, gassed or, like, out of shape the way he did when he was, like, first returning from his injuries in the beginning of last year. Yeah. Um. So that's encouraging. You know, his conditioning isn't all that bad. Um. And, yeah, he was active out there. I mean, like, he, he, he got on the floor a couple times, and, you know, I wasn't concerned about his, his well-being. So there was that. Um... But yeah, I think he'll he'll be fine. I think you know once he gets into the rhythm and the flow of how the team has been playing the last couple of games with the last couple of months without him, I think you know he'll fit in nicely, and the team will just you know continue to roll, and the team will finally get back up there defensively because I think that's where they've missed him the most. Because like while the offense has trended upward, defense has taken a sunken decline. So. Yeah, it'll just be nice to see him get back to his defensive identity and help the team, you know, get back to where they were defensively. Yeah, the point about his uh, fitness is really, really, really good one. Maybe it was like the cornrows, the new cornrows, but when he stepped on the court, I really felt like, man, he's looking like trim. Like, so I agree completely. He's just, man, he is kind of scary, though. Like, sometimes he'll just randomly start limping and you're just like, fuck. <laughs> like, just, <laughs> yep. Um. But yeah, I I mean I, I I didn't mean that as like throw shade at him. I just thought mm-hmm. like oh like the hard like there were times earlier the season and to be fair, part of it had to do with how bad Hardenstein was playing. But there were times earlier in the season like where whenever Mitch came out, it's like oh god, you know, like not Hardenstein. But now it's like you know, like tonight I was just like all right, like. It's fine. You know, like Hardenstein, Hardenstein can do. Yeah. Um, but I do think the best version of this team does have a fully engaged Mitch, obviously. So need him to get back to doing what he was doing. And unsurprisingly, oh, he, led the, he led the team in plus minus, like per usual. Yeah. Also, like the compression shirt made him look massive. Like, his arms were just like brolicky. And like, you look at shoulders look broad Mitch. as hell. Dude, you look at rookie year Mitch, you did not think that was going to happen. Like, strength and conditioning has done him well. Now, if it trended to his lower body, that'd be great. But <laughs> yeah, he's uh, got to stop skipping like that. <laughs> um. So Tech says, yeah, paying a six man twenty plus mil a year kind of bad. But if we don't, some other team will happy to scoop him up for re- scoop IQ up for real. Um. I mean, I guess, but like IQ's not your common six man. Like he does so much. Like he could be our he could be he could be our starter. 
I also disagree with the idea that paying six men is bad because like Malcolm Brock is making twenty-two million dollars a year. Derek White is making like eighteen. Norm Powell's probably gonna finish second is making around what? Like Norm Powell got like five for eighty. Like the best six men in the league get paid. Like Tyler Hero won six men of the year and then he got like hundred and twenty million dollars guaranteed. Then he became um, a starter. And, yeah, and the, the, the thing the thing is too, sorry to interrupt you, Terry, so I just want to say quickly is not like all these guys are prototypical sixth man because they're primary scorers. But what's keeping quickly out of the sixth man of the year conversation is what makes him more because he's a fine scorer and he's been way better at it lately as we were alluding to recently, but he is good enough to be a, like he can play point guard. He can play shooting guard. He can, he has the ceiling of a guy who can be a starter at either of those positions. And he's way better at defense than like any of these people. So I sort of reject the idea of just, you know, painting one broad brush over all these players as if they're, you know, all of the similar ilk. I think that quickly has sort of um, elevated himself above that, that tier of players, in my opinion, in terms of impact on the game. I agree. Like, if Duncan Robinson got five for 90, then, like, quickly is good. If you you can make quickly. You're fine. Also, a lot of that Duncan Robinson contract sucks. Anyway. That's, it's actually pretty funny. Um, I made a bet with a friend, like, during the 2020 NBA Finals. Um, he was talking about how stupid it was that the Heat were playing Duncan Robinson over Kendrick Nunn. And I was like, man, like Duncan was really good this year. And we made some bet. Like he was like, yeah, this guy won't be around in five years. And then we we made some bet. I was like, well, he's going to be, he's going to have a prominent role for a team in five years. I don't know what you're talking about. And we made this bet that whether he would be in the league or not in five years. And then after that season, he signed that contract. And I just like basically, you know, like made fun of my friend. I was like, oh, you're so stupid. And now it's like, oh, shit, is he even going to be in the league next year? Like, <laughs> so it's kind yeah, of it's crazy. That, that contract is garbage, man. Like, it's bad. I mean, wasn't that the offseason, like, where everyone just started paying all those, like, shooters and stretch stretch guys? Yeah, like, like that was Joe Harris, the Davis Bertans year. The, that's another garbage contract right there, Joe Harris. Ugh. And all those guys, after they got paid, they all just like sucked like shit. <laughs> you guys remember the days when we wondered if we should just flip Julius's contract for Davis Bertans? <laughs> I remember those days. <laughs> as a, as a fan base, that was a that was a collective conversation. Yeah, I called all of you guys stupid. <laughs> Rightfully so, I might add. They're like, yeah, you know, like, we can Christian get Jay Wood. Carter. Christian Wood. Oh, that was when Christian Wood got paid? Mm. I, I think that's what people were, like, saying, like, they, Nick should, like, go get Christian Wood and just, like, get rid of Julius. Sorry, so did you even you wanted to keep Randall after that night that first year? Yes. Man, that's, 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 that's actually impressive commitment. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's huge commitment. You talking about nineteen twenty? Yes, after that year. Oh, I was about to say. I would say there was not a soul that wanted to keep him after that year. I was off. I was off. But I was like, you know what? <laughs> I, I, 
after last year, I was like, you know what? Like, I've seen this before. We could be all right. And now we're all right. It's okay. Okay, so Tyrese, I I, I feel like, you know, we're, we're approaching the end. So I, I, I have a question for you as the community Julius Randle stan. Let's just say hypothetically, hypothetically speaking, the Knicks lose in the first round. So they lose in six to the Cavs or lose in five to the Cavs. And Randall, I'm not going to project Randall's outcome. I think he'll play fine. Um, let's just say he plays fine, you know, but it's clear. It's clear that whether it's the coach, whether it's the players, there's a relatively low ceiling for this unit. Do you in your heart believe that if the Knicks targeted a star who would become not in the way Jalen Brunson has become like a star star, somebody who would supersede Randall. Do you think that Randall could still be effective playing next to somebody like that? Or do you think there's a point where they should look to deal Randall at his peak value? If this were to play out or do you, are you, are you just so entrenched that you're just like, we have to keep Randall? like, like there's no way you would ever look to trade Randall. What is your thinking on that? I think if Tom Dillard was the coach, that Tom Dillard will play with like three all-star caliber players actually benefits Randall because I think he would play the bench unit. And I do ultimately feel that like, I feel like even if you scale down Randall, he's fine. As long, like, I think he'll get more efficient. Like, he's going to be something like 62. If he's like even 18, 10, and like three or whatever, with like less than two turnovers a game, like, he's still going to be an efficient player. Like, I think my thing with him is just, like, I think he can play within himself. I think he can scale down. I think he can scale up. We don't really see a lot of, like, um, Julius and pick and rolls or stuff like that. And I think that's a lot of that is coaching. But, like, we saw it in New Orleans. You know, he can play, like, off-the-ball stuff. You know, he takes a lot of his, like, he can do a lot of the off-the-ball stuff because we saw him do it, like, the first um, third of the season. Like, where he literally would just, like, I'm a facilitator. I'm just going to do a lot of like I'm gonna let Brunson have the rock. I'm gonna RJ take all these shots. I'll just get my offense, whatever. It's in the flow of the game. So yeah, like I think he's fine as a third star. Like, I think he's fine as a complimentary third piece. And like if they were to trade him, like I'm okay with that. Like I'm okay with them trading him, but I, it needs to make sense. Like if you're tearing it down, then like yeah, okay, yeah, trade him. I'm not gonna ask him to like, stay around for a rebuild or whatever. But like, or if you feel like you could get somebody who could like fit the team better, like say. You're trading him because you're getting Paul George and Kawhi, just like hypothetical, you know. Obviously not because they're injured, but like say hypothetical, you have like healthy Paul George and Kawhi. Yeah, I'll do that shit. But like, I think it's gonna be hard to like trade a dude who's like at worst this season top twenty. Yeah, and realistically, he's gonna make his all another All NBA team. So like, it's hard to trade that guy. It's hard to trade a guy like that. He's just gonna be so effective. Yeah. All right. I think on that note, we can end off today's show because we do have one tomorrow after the Pelicans game. Um, so thank you everyone that joined us and tuned in, left a comment. Make sure you guys leave a like and subscribe. We are on our way to 1K subs. Shout out to everyone that has got us to 600 subs as we have surpassed that over the all-star break. So shout out to everyone that's been subbed. Shout out to everyone that's been watching. Um, we got links to everything in the description. Um, we got links to everything in the description down below. Everything strictly related is in the, the, um, the description. We got links to the site. We got a brand new 
articles up, including one by our very own Jeff talking about RJ, how his vibes have been kind of counterweight to the vibes of the team. Um, we also got a piece by Colin about um, IQ's sixth man of the year, um, you know, his candidacy as well. We got links to the shop, the merch shop. We got brand new merch, new um, spring collection, brand new items. We got brand new T-shirts, hoodies. We got some some remixes on some older items. So, you know, you guys definitely want to check all that out. Um, I definitely got some pieces coming in myself, and I will definitely show them off on stream once they come in. We got links to the Patreon, another great way to support us. Um, that gets us that gets you into the Strickland Discord, where you can interact with all Knicks fans that are you know Strickland supporters as well, as well as you know various people from the site as well. And we got links to the Twitter, just um, to follow us there as well. And make sure that you are following us on Instagram at thestrick.land if you are not following us there yet. We'll be back tomorrow after the Pelicans game. Hopefully the Knicks can get another win and to continue this streak that we got going on. Um, so we'll catch you guys then. Peace out. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean not a cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.